Well, we're glad you're here this morning and good songs we had. And, um, beautiful start to the day. Um, we'll tell a story this morning. It was told about a specific country. It doesn't name the country, but the people were just miserable. They were miserable, depressed, full of anxiety. Until one, one particular year, a little boy was born. In his early childhood, he was known for being very loving. He was very kind. He was gracious towards other people, always putting other people before himself. He was very obedient to his parents, and that caught on to the people in that particular country. And as a result, many people began to start cheering up, feeling better about themselves up in the land. They saw what they seen as a little boy, and they wanted to be just like this kid. They became more cheerful and expressing themselves in love for others in their kindness and in their goodness. The boy, as he got older, as he, as he was able to travel, he traveled the entire countryside, encouraging people, bringing them up out of their depression, out of their loneliness, out of their despair, out of their anxiety. And by doing so, people said they had turned, what once was a, a depressed country, now was a land they called a happy land. You know, as I read that story, there, the boy was anonymous, the country was anonymous, didn't know much about it, didn't go into detail. But as I read that story, it all just clicked together for me. It made me think this story relates so much to God, doesn't it? It does. A representation of God, specifically through his son, Jesus Christ, okay? And how God came into the form of man through his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem a miserable land that's called this earth, planet earth, a depressed world that was that has been depraved derived in sin okay which leads we know to eternal death sin leads to eternal death jesus would die a horrific death on the cross and raise on that easter sunday morning so that you and i and everyone else throughout the entire world would have that opportunity of that free gift of salvation to one day go into that happy land called heaven this story relates so much to that and that's be all because of God's great love, okay? His amazing grace, that unmerited favor that he gave to you and I out of his ultimate kindness resulting in God's goodness. And that's what we're going to talk about today is goodness, all right? Now, on your outline, we've not done it in several weeks. The very first verse is the whole topic of this entire series, the fruit of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul had on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. So you don't forget these nine fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul wrote, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We are on the sixth attribute of the, the fruit of the Spirit. That is goodness. We had a pause last Sunday for a special time in a baptismal service. Now we're about, now we are on the sixth attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. And as we are continuing in this sermon series, it was called, it's been, it's been called Walking with the Spirit, a New Year's resolution with true resolve. We started this sermon series the second Sunday of last month into a new year, okay? And we're discussing these fruit of the Spirit and this how this can be your New Year's resolution that by making a conscious effort to exhibit and practice these nine fruit of the Spirit given to us at the moment of salvation through God's Holy Spirit is truly a New Year's resolution 
that has real and true resolve. Now, as I mentioned in the very first Sunday, we went through the overview of all nine fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit of goodness in Greek is the Greek word agatho osune. Okay, and that means an uprightness of heart and life. And get this, an uprightness of kindness. All right. No coincidence, the previous fruit of the Spirit we discussed two weeks ago, the fifth attribute is kindness. Now the sixth fruit of the Spirit is goodness. They interlink. They're interlinked with each other. Kindness leads to goodness, okay? God's goodness is revealed in our actions, our kindness. Someone once said that goodness is the only investment that never fails. And I believe that is so true. True, genuine goodness from our kindness resulting in that fruit of the spirit of goodness is an investment that you can bank on will never fail. Now, the questions I have and we're going to, that I had come up with, and we're going to try to answer this morning. Is it a blanket promise for everyone on, on goodness, okay, across the board? Is it true that only those who are genuine Christians can exhibit true goodness? Or is it possible for genuine goodness to exist outside, outside the realm of Jesus Christ? Well, that's what we're going to discuss this morning, okay? And what I want to do is to answer those questions from the Bible's perspective on goodness. We always want to go to God's Word number one, before we go to anything else, to look at six different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit of goodness. And it's going to be like telling a story from the beginning all the way up until uh, our present time. And it'll help us understand how this story applies to us today. On your outlines, you'll have the six different aspects. And for those of you, uh, Chelsea, you're new at this, a, on the screen, when I get to that specific statement, you'll fill in the blank with what Daniel puts on the screen. He's the only one who's got the cheat sheet, okay? Uh, Jennifer tries, but sometimes, but I don't let her do it. So she's got to wait just like everybody else. This is the story of biblical goodness. Number one, goodness was established in the very beginning. Goodness was established in the very beginning. I'm going to need a little bit of water because we got several verses here we're going to go through, and they're all on your outline. Let's start. From the very beginning, let's see goodness that started with God, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. All right? And then verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called sea. And God saw that it was what? It was Good. Then skip to verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with them, with seed in them after their kind. And again, God saw that it was good. Now, verses 17 and 18. God placed them. That is, in the previous verses, he talked about the two great lights the, that would govern the, the, uh, the majority of the time, the greater light, the sun, and the lesser light of night, which is the moon, okay? God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God again saw that it was what? It was good. Verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God again saw that it was what? Good. And then the very last verse of Genesis chapter 31, 
God saw all that he had made, and behold, he said it was what? Very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Aren't you glad I didn't read all 31 verses to you? I was kind enough to skip through just to the parts it had where God said it was good. But I could have saved a lot of time. He said in the very last verse, everything he made was what? Very, very good. God created everything, I believe, in six literal 24-hour days. Okay, the sixth day he completed it. All right, six times he said it was good. All right, goodness, we know, ultimately comes from God. It was established in the beginning. But remember, goodness didn't start a creation. That word established. The plan was already there, but then it had to come to fruition. It had to finally come to be established later on at creation. It was set forth at creation. God's goodness has always been in existence, not just at creation. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose you and I in Him before the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve, before the creation of this earth, God's ultimate plan of salvation was already set in motion. It has become established later on, all right? God's goodness, though, was given to who? In the beginning, Adam, and it was given to Eve. They had the knowledge. They had that awareness of God's goodness, but then something happened. They wanted to know the knowledge of evil as well. We know the story of the serpent, what he did in Genesis 3, okay? One pastor said, because of that, we've been living with it ever since then. And we have. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, we have been living with that knowledge of evil since that point. Now, because of that, humanity can, could no longer partake in that per perfect union with God. It was a separation right at that moment because God is light and the Bible says there is no darkness in him. Now, that leads to the second aspect of goodness in this story because we, uh, we forfeited that perfect union with God, knowing the knowledge of evil, that leads to the second aspect of goodness. Goodness is restrained. Goodness is restrained. Now, let me explain that to you. Remember the story in Exodus chapter 33? If you don't remember the story, I'll brush you up on it here quickly. God had given the command to Moses to leave Mount Sinai. That's where he received the Ten Commandments. Now, to go into the land, he said, I want you to leave here and go into the land of milk and honey. And God met with Moses later on in the tabernacle tent, uh, the, the tent where the tabernacle was, late, was located later on, okay? And Moses, he wanted assurance. Hey, before I go to the land of milk and honey, I want your promise. I want to know that you are going to be leading the way, the whole way, before we even leave this place. And Moses pled with God, in order to prove that to me, let me see your glory, God. This is what happened in verse 19 of Exodus 33. And God said, I myself will make all my goodness, here it is, pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. That, that key phrase, that entire verse, notice it. God said, my goodness will what? It will pass before you. It will not stop and be with you. It's going to pass right on by. Right there, there was a moment. There wasn't a moment of connection. There was a moment of disconnection. He said, I'm passing by you. The witnessing 
at that moment of God's glory, his goodness was restrained. Look at verse 21 through 23. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you will stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then he said, I'll take away my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. There was a restraint of God's goodness. He only got to see the tail end of God. He never got to see his face. But from that moment on, Moses was a marked man. His time was limited at that moment because he just caught a glimpse of just the tail end of God's glory, God's love, God's goodness. That would be no different than me. Uh, Jennifer loves rodeos. She said, I want to go to a rodeo. Okay, we plan it out. We go to a rodeo. Let's say we have a rodeo in Sykes and they have one every summer. And me and her go and, and it's, as I say, it's indoors, all right? And these buildings, you're going to have support beams. Oh, honey, I picked these perfect seats. You're going to love it. I sat to the left of this big structural beam and I put her right behind it. What's going to happen? Her view is going to be obstructed. She ain't going to be able to see the full uh, essence of the rodeo. She's going to miss it. Oh, honey, didn't you just love love that uh, that cowboy getting knocked off, uh, getting bucked off that horse or getting bucked off that, that big bull? That was fantastic. I don't know. I can't see it. Why would I do that to her? Either out of complete ignorance or complete honoriness. Okay? Either one. But that, that now the question is, why did God do that to Moses, okay? It was an act, not a, out of anger. It was an act of God's mercy, his grace. Remember in verse 20, if you read that back in verse 20, he said, no man shall see me and live. It was a, ma a matter of God's grace, okay? Remember, of mankind's darkness in him, there is a knowledge of evil, and therefore God's goodness, because of that, is restrained to an aspect. It's hindered at times. So we know that, that goodness was restrained here. That leads now, to, moving on to the story, the third aspect of goodness is that goodness is near us. It is near us. The most popular psalm of all 150 psalms, Psalm 23, verse 6, David said, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This entire psalm was about a praise to the Lord, the great shepherd, and that believing you can believe in him and his faithfulness and his complete goodness. That's what this Psalm 23 was all about here. Now, during that time, David knew very well, as so, so as well as his descendants, his ancestors. And on and on throughout the lineage of the Israelites, the more the nation of Israel drew closer to God, don't you think they would be able to experience more of his goodness? There were times they didn't experience his goodness when they were rebellion, weren't they, Brother Gary? They were in rebellion. They finally went into captivity. But guess what? They finally yearned to come back to the knowledge of good, God's goodness. He brought them back. The closer we are as well, it's no different with us, the closer that we spend more time in prayer. The more we spend time in God's word, we want to know what God wants best for us, how God would want to talk to us. It's mainly through his written word. How we can we listen to what God wants us to hear? The more we draw closer to that, the more we can experience God's goodness. It is 
near us, okay? Which that now leads to number four in the story. Goodness came for us. It came for us, all right? God sent his goodness to all the world. You know that? How in the world did God send all of his goodness? It's simple, through his son, Jesus Christ. He tried other means, it didn't work. Ultimately, he had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to send his goodness to this existing world in order to defeat sin, to defeat evil, and ultimately to defeat death to all who would truly, genuinely believe in him. Right, brother? To genuinely believe in his son, Jesus Christ. This is quite lengthy. This is from the English Standard Version. This captures this very well. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. The Apostle Paul writing to young Titus here, he said, For we ourselves were once, we were what? Once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, here it is, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There was a moment in time when we took that step of faith in Christ Jesus. It came to us, God's goodness, which will lead to the fifth aspect of this goodness in its entire story. Number four, God is uh, goodness is inside of us. Number five, that is it. Goodness is inside of us. I jumped ahead of myself there for a moment. Hebrews 6, 5 says, the writer said, we have tasted the goodness of the word of God. All of God's word is good, isn't it? That's how we taste God's goodness is through his holy word. If you are a child of God, God's goodness is inside of you. It better be anyway. You better make sure it needs to be. Goodness is inside of you. Unlike the Old Testament saints, we all know this. I've mentioned this many times before. The, all the Old Testament saints, the Holy Spirit of God, which ultimately gives us that fruit of the Spirit of goodness, God's goodness, they didn't have that indwelling full-time Holy Spirit like we have the moment we trust in Christ as Savior. The Old Testament saints from David and, and uh, Moses, Elijah, on down to Daniel, Ezekiel, every one of them, and on and on and on. The Holy Spirit would come and go at specific times in their earthly ministry for God, their prophetic ministry for a specific purpose. Once they fulfilled it, the Holy Spirit left them, okay? Christians have that permanent indwelling Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait for it. It's the moment we trust in Christ and Christ alone as Savior. Here are some verses to correlate with that. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. We are a temple of God. The Holy Spirit does dwell in us. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the Spirit of Him, that is God who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. All of that, His goodness is inside of us. Goodness is that fruit of the Spirit that completely will strengthen us. All of them strengthen us. It helps sustain us and to give us that life that God wants for us. 
When we take God, we take God's goodness, it enabled us to take the goodness God gives us and to be able to produce it for His glory, for His kingdom work through the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord has redeemed us to His goodness now. We once were apart from it, but now when we trust in Christ, He has redeemed us into His goodness because we have His Holy Spirit to, to be part of His eternal work. And lastly, this is the best part here. This is really short and sweet. Goodness one day will be perfected in us. One day, goodness will be perfected in us. As Christians, the Holy Spirit enables us to imitate goodness right now, okay? That came, that came for us and that is inside of us. 3 John verse 11 says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. That's the key word there, is imitate. Let me get a drink of water. Imitate. Remember, our good works, our goodness, doesn't come from us at all. It does not come from us at all. It did not start with us. It started, it comes from God. Any righteousness that we display in our life, any love, it all comes from Christ. It is not of our own selves. That's why we struggle in doing good, don't we? We all struggle in doing good. I struggle in doing good. You struggle in doing good. We all struggle in doing good. But we have not reached that perfection yet. But as that says, one day we will reach that perfection. Okay? There's a perfect union coming one day with God, with his goodness. When will that be? I can't tell you exactly when it will be. But I got a pretty good idea. The Bible teaches not the specific day. I don't know when our time is numbered, when our day, or take our last breath, but either we're raptured out of here, a generation of Christians will be raptured at that moment, that goodness, that God get God's goodness will be perfected in us, or the day we take our last breath. One of the two. But the moment that we're out of here, out of this physical earth, and in the presence of Jesus, that goodness is going to be perfected right at that moment to experience that perfect unity that God once had in store with us with Adam and Eve before their fall, before their desire for the knowledge of evil. Philippians 1.6 says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen to that. Listen to this story in closing. This is so good. There was a village farmer. He was very kind and good in nature. His name was Shankar. He lived in a small hut with his wife and his multiple children. He earned a living by selling the crops he cultivated and harvested on a small plot of land that he had. Everyone in the village loved Shankar's, uh, his commitment to his work, his love for his family, his love for the community, except one neighbor. He had one neighbor. His name was Mentu. Mentu was lazy and did not want to work very much. He had about the same plot of land as his neighbor Shankar did, but he was so lazy, though, his, his turnover on his crop wasn't very good. He didn't yield very much. Therefore, each harvest season when he, Shankar sold all of his, his goods, he had a plentiful amount of money. Mentu didn't. This, this made him bitter. This made him angry because of his laziness. It was all of his own fault. So one year, Mentu's anger became so great that up in the night, he conspired a plan, and he went through with it. He actually set fire to his property, to all of his crops. 
He was awakened in the night by neighbors, yelling and screaming, Chankar, your place, all your crops are on fire. All the neighbors and himself, the family, helped extinguish the fire. It salvaged the majority of his crops. But as Shankar looked around and did a little bit of investigating, he realized where the fire had started from. It came from his neighbor, Mentu. It made him very angry, justifiably, but he decided not to act. Only if another occurrence happened, then he would act and act as he should have. Okay. Later that year, Mentu was able at harvesting. He gained more profits. He sold his goods with what he did cultivate. Shankar barely received any money at all because of the damage that was done to his ground. A few days later, though, Shankar was awakened at night. His family was sleeping by sounds of weeping, lamentation, just distress. He woke up, looked out the window, and at Mentu's place, the whole town had gathered around Mentu's home. So he hurries and scurries over to Mentu's. What's going on? Well, Mentu's youngest son is very ill. The local doctor here in the village doesn't have the proper medication to treat Mentu's son. He's going to die. Shankar backs off, take a deep breath, and without, right in the middle of the night, grabbed a lantern, got on his mode of transportation, was a bicycle. He journeyed all night, 10 miles to the next village where a more prominent, pronounced doctor lived who was raised in his village as a child. So he brings the doctor to Mentu. Unbeknownst to anybody, the doc, they don't know how the doctor got there. It was done for the night. He gives the proper medicine to Mentu's son. Within a day or so, Mentu's son is back to good health. The doctor arrived at his work. The next day, Shankar went to Mentu's hut to check. His son was completely healed of his illnesses. Mentu began to weep bitterly and confessed that he had done what he had done earlier in the year to Shankar's crops. Shankar told him, don't worry about it, I already knew. This is what Mentu said. He said, you knew that I had set fire to the crops, and yet you went so far to fetch a doctor for my son? Shankar replied, I did what I knew was right. Could I do wrong just because you had done so previously? The both stood up and they embraced each other, with hugs and tears. From that day forth, Mentu changed his work personality, his ethic. He became a good and hardworking person, just like Shankar, to everyone's surprise. When others asked Shankar how he changed so much, not Shankar, they asked Mentu, what was the change? What happened? He replied, it was goodness and love of Shankar that transformed me. I don't know if Shankar was a Christian, just by this story, it sure does sound like it, doesn't it? He was exhibiting goodness from God because of the fact of the matter, the true goodness in us only comes from God. That answers all those questions. Only true goodness comes from God. When we invest in God's goodness, we know that it will never fail. That is why walking in the fruit of the spirit of goodness is a New Year's resolution, I guarantee you, a New Year's resolution that will, can, and will have true resolve. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. If you're not a Christian this morning, you listen to this message, 
you may have done some very nice things for people, but it's not genuine goodness. Only true goodness, genuine goodness comes from God. It comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. At the moment someone trusted in Christ as Savior, they received God's Holy Spirit and then those nine fruit of the Spirit. This one today, the Spirit of goodness, is finally in you. That's the only true way to have God's goodness. But in order to have God's goodness, you first, you first have to know His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Stephen, I'm cutting right to the chase this morning. How do I do that? It's very simple. Salvation is so easy, even a child can understand it. You have to come to a point in your life when you admit that you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. No one else can save you. No one else can truly give you hope or can give you eternal life except His Son, God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And it's only then when you take that step of faith and believe that Christ and Christ alone died to save the sins of the entire world and then to make that commitment for the rest of your life that you're going to obediently serve Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what I want to do this morning, Brother Stephen. Well, what do I do? It's very simple. If God's Holy Spirit is convicting you right now and you want, you want to take that next step of faith, you can say this prayer with me out loud or in your heart silently, knowing God is listening and that He is waiting with open arms to receive you as one of His children. You can say this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I thank you for loving me and I understand that I'm a sinner and I am truly sorry for all of those sins in my life. But I believe what I heard today, that you love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, taking the punishment I deserve for those sins. And I'm trusting right now in what Christ and Christ alone did to save me of those sins. God, thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me. And I am praying that you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all your heart, you are now a child of God. The Holy Spirit is indwelt with you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet for all eternity. And with that, God's Holy Spirit gives you those fruit of the Spirit we're talking about. Now, today, you have that spirit of goodness in your heart and in your life. Make sure the first thing that you do as a Christian is give a testimony not only to family, to friends, co-workers, that joy that's in you, the hope that's in you, tell it to others as a great witness tool. Planting a seed and watering it down. Maybe you may lead someone else to faith in Jesus Christ by your personal testimony. Nothing more powerful. And also, we want to hear your testimony as well. We want to hear you, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we want to hear from you here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. The website needs you to to go to the bottom of your screen, please type in that website. It is pbmb.me forward slash contact. You'll go to that website. It will take you to our contact page. Put in your information and in the comment section say, hey, Brother Stephen, I prayed the prayer of faith. We want to congratulate you, number one, on your newfound walk with Christ, but also we want to send you some material. We have different uh, pamphlets of literature for you to take to get you started. We want to send you a Gideon's Bible to get you started on your new walk. Please go to that website, but don't stop there. 
given those testimonies. We want to hear from you. Tell everyone and every, anyone and everyone who will listen about what Christ just did for you. But then make sure it's so important. Get into a local Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. From Genesis to the maps, they teach about sin. They teach about death. They teach about prophecy, things that are going on in this world. They, and yes, even get political on some of these things, but it's all to let us know that Christians are to be active in the culture. Make sure they're teaching about all of these things and sin in that Bible-believing church. If uh, just like this church, we teach the whole counsel of God's Word. It is so important to get into a local church because you cannot make it on your own in your Christian walk. We need like-minded believers coming together to help each other. And, and everyone has needs. People are down. Christians are there to help edify, to help others get them back up on their feet. It's a newfound walk, a new family in Jesus Christ. Get into that Bible-believing church just like this one, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist. Our information is on our Facebook page or on our website. The website is PV baptistchurch.org where we have a lot of great sermons on there our statement of faith is on there check us out if you cannot get into this church please get into another bible believing church that teaches the whole counsel of god's word father in heaven i pray to you today that no one who may have listened to this invitation of salvation or any other great teacher of faith out there who put out that invitation call i pray that none of them would resist that call and say you Say yes to you, God, right now, and no to Satan, and no to sin. And I pray all of this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.